0: Hey, this is Vanessa Sunshine. Hi, this is Alicia. Hi, I'm Georgia Love. I'm
1: Osha Ginsburg. If you're listening to the sound of my voice, you are on the Bachelor of Hearts podcast.
0: What do you do with an arts degree? I'm still not sure I know. I skip three years worth of lectures just to binge watch your full shows. There must be some scholarship for accruing worthless knowledge It's my only talent,
2: honey That and losing money
0: Let your excess hex debts rest And then just join us while we start On our
3: bachelor Bachelor
1: Hello And welcome back to the Bachelor of Hearts podcast, the Bachelorette Australia podcast that asks the question, best season ever, worst ratings ever, right, right. I don't understand. Mm.
0: Not the worst ratings ever for anything. Like, I would say that they got a lot more viewers on their show than we traditionally get listeners on our podcast, for example.
1: Continuing to outpace us, but not by as much, uh, the Bachelor franchise. My name is Max Quinn. Joining me, as they always do, is Xavier RN. Hi, Xavier. Hello, and hi, listeners, and thank you for listening and trying to get us ever
0: closer to that goal of 340000 or whatever it is. We're trying to beat the show.
1: So close. As soon if we as we can get more the show, that will be listeners, then
0: the show gets viewers. We'll know we've really made it. <laughs>
1: <laughs> if this is your first time listening, hello, welcome. We are so happy to have you here. The uh, TLDR is that me and Zavi, friends forever, arts degree graduates, with not much better to do than to talk about how this sometimes a beautiful, sometimes actively really bad TV show reflects our evolving cultural landscape. Welcome from Colman. We mainly Colm do. Bay. Yes. A bit of both mm-hmm. what we mainly do though is look at it through the lens of the show so if you want our uh, hot goss if you want uh, inside scoops from on set uh you have so dramatic cocktails and roses fantastic podcasts that we love and that we exist alongside of what we offer i think is more like a deep and loving gaze into the navel of the nation and smaller and <laughs> smaller <laughs> <laughs> Zavie, uh like what a fascinating couple of episodes to kick off The Bachelorette's 7th season. Oh, buddy, I'm so so excited that this time
0: is finally here. I mean, we've been doing our podcast as you said for 650,000 years. Mm. And all that time we've been asking for a season like this to happen, you know, and I feel like that is uh something that people are feeling all around the world, around the nation and uh and here we are. We've finally done it. Well, we didn't we we can't really officially take credit for it, although you
3: know, take your credit.
1: Yeah, you know what? It was my idea, and uh, and you're welcome, Australia. If you want to pay Xavier what they are due, uh, and with a bunch of you and your new best friends as well and former contestants from the show, uh, the Bachelor of Hearts Osh posting group on Facebook is where you can find everything you need. And we are going to need a little bit of help breaking down the first two episodes of this season. She is a living. Icon, who you might have heard talking about love and fucking on the hookup on Triple J on Sunday nights or on the hookup podcast. She is a dear friend and my old deskmate making her first ever appearance here on the BOH pod. Please say a great big bachelor of hearts hello to Nat Tenchich. Hi, Nat.
2: Hello. Oh my God. I'm so excited to be here. I. It, Dreams come true. They really do every day. And now mine have. So this is years of
1: our lives where we would sit next to each other and you would be like, what are you doing? And I'd be like, did you know that this weird thing is happening in this reality TV universe that you are not engaged with? And you'd be like, please don't tell me anything else. (laughs) (laughs) That sounds awful.
2: Yeah, well, yeah, exactly. I think I probably like looked at your screen a bit too much sitting next to you. Like yeah. I'm just I'm just like a sticky beak like that. So mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I apologize, but yes, it was all like really meaningless and none of it was actually your work. So That's
1: true. This is true. <laughs> and yet, uh here I am still gainfully employed all these years later. That's crazy. Nat, <laughs> this is your first time being properly in on a bachelor season in a really long time. I'm so stoked that we have you here to talk about it kind of from both sides like Xavier and i are sick in the head and have seen every season of this show (laughs) you are not only an expert in your field but you are also experiencing this through somewhat untainted eyes
2: Mm. yeah i so my history with the bachelor australia is that my first season the first season i watched was the sam frost season Mm. okay cool
1: are we bleeping her think name. Some <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah,
2: sorry. Um, famed uh, anti-vaxxer <laughs> slash men- mental health advocate Sam, <laughs> Sam Frost. Yeah. Yes, we do have to um. contend
0: with the fact that she is part of this universe for better or worse. You know, she's not. <laughs> she's not even the most controversial figure in in the in the world of the show. So we can't just bleep her out altogether.
1: Oh my god, Now, Do you know about Bill? No. Oh, yes.
2: Mm-hmm. Oh, I'm no. so stoked for you to
1: find <laughs> out about Bill. This is exactly, this is years of your life that I am uh, excited to for you to waste. Yes, <laughs> That's so I am excited to rob from you. <laughs> uh, yeah, look, uh, can I get a first impression from you? How are you feeling? What do you think about this show called The Bachelorette?
2: When they announced Brooke as The Bachelorette and, you know, the first thing they were like, bisexual, First Nations, I was just like, hella fucking Luya, I am so excited. I have been waiting for a mixed-gender Bachelorette, like like version of any of these shows Mm. Mm. forever. So I was instantly like, I don't normally watch this stuff. To me, I'm all about uh, written narrative romance. Mm -hmm. Yeah,
3: yeah.
2: (laughs) I I find these um, setups a bit, I don't know, they're not for me. You know, I I don't, like, generally have the time. I just sort of was like, meh. But I'm like, oh, no, it's queer. It's... Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah, yeah. I'm here. I'm queer. I'm here. I'm here for, queer, here for the queer bachelor. <laughs> 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 I haven't even started drinking yet. I swear to God.
1: Uh, you had Brooke on the show.
2: Yes, and I had Brooke on the show. So, part yeah, part of that was I was just so excited to... Talk to someone who is reshaping an international franchise and doing it first. Mm-hmm. By the way, they're making history. Did you notice? Like they didn't they didn't mention that at all in the show, that they're <laughs> making history. <laughs> it's the first time. Yeah. Um, You'd think yeah, that would be and- part
0: of the marketing at least, like a little bit of the I conversation know. around it.
2: um but she was fantastic we had so much fun um we had a chat like she's been you know doing the junket sort of thing so she's done like interviews after interviews after interviews but I think my interview was like her first or one of her few queer interviews because I was like straight up like hey as a bisexual person it's so amazing to see this to see us like Represented on screen, um, to see that this is possible in a mainstream space. I think she appreciated that. I asked a few questions, I don't think um commercial radio noticed, like why all of the girls are femmes. Like I was yeah. like, yeah. hey, what's the deal with them all being femmes? Which she said was like, Well, I'm the mask one. So right. So I, okay. I just want like a cute little femme to cuddle. I'm more into femmes. I'm like, Excellent. I'm glad that we have that established as canon. Yeah,
0: I was kind of hoping to find that out at some point. So I'm, you know, I mean, not that that's better or worse than anything else, (laughs) but like that there is a satisfying explanation for what seems to be, you know, a kind of surprising element of the casting for this season.
2: Totally. And it's like, I'm all for getting more exposure for, um, you know, same sex attracted femmes. It's not a thing we see as often, Mm. but yeah, there's a reason for it. The other really interesting thing I got from the chat was that she had a huge, like she was really hands-on with shaping the structure of the season, Fantastic. how it was going to work, how it was going to roll out, welcome to countries, like all of that stuff. She was like, "I'm not doing it unless we have all of these things." And I just think that makes her such a boss. Hell yeah, mm. that's just awesome. really love that she's taken charge and you know doing something really, really different with it. So yeah, and I think yeah, we th-
0: cool. those of us who have been poisoned by this show for many years can tell. Like, I mean, I mean, it is such a difference between this season and basically every other season not just for the the reasons that they're putting on the billboard but I think like the approach is different and I think the the heart of the show is in a different place and I think they are taking it seriously and I think it is largely because Brooke is steering the ship a bit more
2: yeah she's really really taking charge like she likes to take charge um apparently in her relationship with guys (laughs) and she likes to take charge with some sweet quiet femme girls um She's, she's taking charge of the whole ship. So that was great. Uh, she also confirmed that she and G Flip did not break up over this show. Mm. Um, they weren't together. They were just just hooking up. Which, oh, lovely. Which uh, we now have on the records. So. Great, great. <laughs> and you have that
1: as well as, uh, you know, a little nice promo for your your radio program, what's it called
2: Nat? It's called the Hookup. Um, su- Sundays at nine PM, <laughs> and we are podcasting um, our chat with Brooke as well, so you can find it in the feed soon. Beautiful, I must Fantastic. listen.
1: Fantastic, Xavi, <laughs> It is time. I know you have some news for us. Not personal news, but you know, news all the same from the world of The Bachelor. We call it a Batch World catch-up because it is—it's so fun to say. Please uh, s- sprinkle it sprinkle it down on us.
0: All right, absolutely. So, first of all. Max Quinn and I both tuned in to watch live on Wednesday, October 20th as Channel 10 broadcast a hotly anticipated event, which gave us a glimpse of what we hope that our TV landscape might look like in the near future. That's right. Of course, we're talking about the 10 Viacom CBS Upfront presentation for 2022, the annual presentation to advertisers, media agencies, shareholders, and apparently us. Uh, in which the network traditionally announces some of their biggest shows for the coming year. Uh, and look, we're bringing it up here because the network has officially greenlit both The Bachelor and The Bachelorette Australia for 2022. This
1: is good news. It
0: is very good news. Um, this is a weird thing that we watched. Um, there was no mention of Bachelor in Paradise, and frankly, barely any lip service paid to Batchy at all beyond that. Uh, But the presentation did include a lot of very complicated jargon, uh, some absolutely apocalyptic imagery featuring their chief sales officer, Rod Prosser, uh, and Australian Survivor host, Jonathan LaPaglia, asking, Who will outwit, outplay, and outlast in the unleashing of content?
2: (laughs) <laughs> it's I was going to ask how like E3 level these presentations are, but you've been yeah, very for much me, on that yes. level.
0: Um, but like an E3 that couldn't take place in front of any people. So it has the like, you know, person presenting to a camera but pretending it's a crowd of people kind of like tone of voice and that kind of thing. There was a big Zoom, like, there was a backdrop of uh, hundreds of little Zoom squares all pasted together that he was sort of speaking to. It was very, very strange.
1: We saw him posing with the Paw Patrols. Yes. We saw... uh, He was hanging out with SpongeBob. SpongeBob. He also caught the bus to South Park. Yeah. Because he was talking about how Channel 10 marketing to the youth. And I thought, you know what's still on TV? South Park. The big part of
0: the Paramount Plus suite of shows, I guess There you go
1: Look, I'm a recent PP subscriber
0: Oh yeah, you know what? I hate to say it, but I joined PP as well There you go, you're PP boy Yeah, I jumped in the PP pool And uh, I will say, just to provide some balance on our show I regretted it, and I have since cancelled my subscription <laughs> good because not just to cancel out the fact that we're giving them free advertising but one of the key things that I wanted to get from my PP subscription was all of the past <laughs> bachelor episodes which mm. I assumed would be part of the deal and uh, unfortunately they were
2: they were left out of the PP uh packet. Well, you're not the first PP that's canceled, so <laughs> <laughs> uh
0: uh, right, very good Anyway, with the announcement that Batchy will be back on our screens next year Comes the announcement that yes, the Bachelor of Hearts podcast will proceed into its sixth year in 2022 We are delighted to have you along for the ride
1: We are really, really excited Um, I have obviously made up a Photoshop image of myself posing with the Paw Patrols for this very occasion <laughs> and We'll be delighted to share that with you on socials this week, listeners I cannot wait
0: Okay, uh, story number two. This is a slightly complicated subject that I feel like we may need to talk about for a long time or kind of breeze over. It does feel worth discussing. Discuss. It does feel worth discussing. The overnight ratings for this week's episodes of The Bachelorette uh, were not quite as strong as many had hoped. Wednesday's premiere saw 397,000 viewers, the lowest number of any Australian batchy premiere while the second episode on Thursday evening saw 345,000, making it the lowest rated episode of any Australian batchy episode of any kind. The show is still performing pretty well in Channel 10's key demographics of 16 to 39 and 18 to 49, although the second episode was outperformed there by Gogglebox. But yeah, there's there's little hiding the fact that these numbers are a little bit lower than what we were expecting from a season, which feels like it should kind of be a slam dunk um Mm. so let's chat about it like how big of a deal do we reckon this is
1: not as big a deal as i think that it is being made in the media Mm. given the climate that we are in in which you know a, a bunch of major cities in this country were let out of lockdown this week sure as well as that we have moved into a much greater streaming on demand kind of world and we heard rod prosser the channel 10 (laughs) marketing man say in the upfronts this week that august which is when the bachelor was airing this year was the company's highest month for video on demand streams on their platform 10 play so you can see some of that hypothetical migration over to a, a more on demand kind of marketplace. And then, you know, we also learned during that presentation that one in three of those streams was likely to be a co-viewing experience. Mm. So we're starting to break these ratings down. By the way, also five capital city ratings mm. in in the metro, which is a flawed way to, to measure your ratings because you're discounting regional Australia. I don't have a better way to do it. But uh, worth considering that regional Australia is not the same Australia as metropolitan Australia
0: and also this is based on the like Nielsen box rating system which yeah. is another complicated thing that that has flaws but essentially like we don't know for a fact that 397,000 people tuned in we're extrapolating that figure out from a much smaller group of viewers who were recording their data and that sort of thing and Uh, it's not a perfect system they're not randomly chosen there are um, ways that these people apply for and are picked and you know have to be approved for this uh, process and that sort of thing like it's all extremely complicated people get very specific degrees in this stuff which we don't have
2: do we know if the you know if the streaming figures like the 10 play figures will be added to that number at all or like at what point we'll know what the actual viewership was
0: yeah, there's a weekly figure that comes out a week after the initial viewing that factors in a lot of that stuff, and then I believe they also do a monthly figure that kind of checks back in after the fact, which I assume is less relevant to to our sort of uses and to the way that people talk about these shows. But that is the stuff that will matter to you know a, a network who is deciding whether or not to uh, continue the show and you know advertisers and all that kind of stuff. Like you know, it's relevant to them. Um, but I do think we'll have a more complete picture, particularly. Because we're talking about a season that is feels to me like it is aimed more towards a younger audience than a typical season is. It's also a show that I think is more targeted towards a young audience than your typical TV show is, I guess, if we can talk that broadly. Um, but I think younger people are more likely to be using these video on demand services and looking at Ten Play and all that kind of stuff. So um, yeah, the data that we're seeing is getting a little bit blown out of
2: proportion. Let's not write Australia off. As biophobic just yet. Right, right, exactly. (laughs) We have a whole season before we can say that. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. exactly. Before we can
1: justifiably write the entire nation off. Yeah, 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 Exactly. Mm
0: -hmm, mm. (laughs) Okay, uh, last story this week. On the 14th of October at sunset on the South Perth foreshore, friends and previous guests of the podcast, Alicia Aitken-Radburn and Glenn Smith, who also apparently appeared on The Bachelor and Bachelorette, I don't know, they're mostly on our podcast, I guess they met on Bachelor in Paradise, but I, you know, I barely remember it. The episodes of our podcast were really good, though. Uh, they became engaged to be married, my friends. Uh, we're all like quietly clapping. Uh, Glenn proposed after months of public and presumably private hints from Alicia, and the two seem to be utterly blissed out in their new life together in Perth. The question remains,
1: did we do this? I don't think we did this. Let me <laughs> you say don't that. In at all? <laughs> I don't think that we did this in any way, shape or form. I, I'm so happy for Glenn and Alicia.
0: We love them both. We're very happy for them. And uh, uh, I think we did it. So
1: invite us to the wedding. Uh, <laughs> that ends the batch world catch up. It is time listeners to dive deep into our recaps for this season. Xavier RN is your person with the keyboard and the notes. That's what they call Hello. me. <laughs> Should get that on my business card. Should get a business card. Uh, there you go.
0: We begin with something which really pleasantly surprised me, which I have rarely seen on any TV show, let alone one with a history like The Bachelor, an acknowledgement of country, which reads, we acknowledge the traditional custodians of the land on which this program is filmed. We pay our respects to the elders and peoples past and present. Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander viewers are warned that the following program may contain images, voices, and names of deceased persons. I thought this was great. And I really hope that they continue to do it, not just in seasons with an Indigenous Australian lead, but like every time and maybe every show. Should be every show. Should yeah. Be. Do you think we should do it on the pod? Maybe we should.
1: Yeah. Do you know what? I think that that's a fair thing for us to consider moving forward. I mean, yeah.
0: Osha welcomes us to the season, setting the table for the world's first bisexual bachelorette in 20 years of the franchise's history. Pretty good shit. We see Brooke sitting down to record an ITM interview saying, okay, are we ready? Third time lucky, which perfectly sets the mood. I like this little almost behind the scenes feeling um, thing. Although I wonder if maybe she was just doing like her third take of something. You know, like, like <laughs> yeah. you need to pronounce his name right, or whatever. You know, she's or she's Ooh, like coming definitely. back from lunch or something. <laughs> um. Anyway, there's a flashback to Brooks previous uh. There's a flashback to Brooks previous appearances on Nick Cummins' season of The Bachelor and season two of Bachelor in Paradise Australia. We collectively gag as Alex Nation mentions Bill Goldsmith's name. Do we
2: talk about it? <laughs> So, on the level of like Sam Frost, oh, it's... we've eclipsed
1: yeah, it. A bit. We, we are quite like, a bit. <laughs> we, we've gone Deeper so much higher. further past yeah, that. Yeah. yeah.
2: Sam Frost
0: did one bad thing, you know? And, this, uh, yeah. You know, that was enough for her, at least so
2: far, I guess. <laughs> can, I, can I ask a question about The Bachelor in Paradise, though? Please. Because that yes. one I couldn't quite get as much in my research. Was Alex like really ever actually into Brooke, or was she just kind of just like flirting like just playing her a bit
0: i mean your mileage may vary particularly with something like bachelor in paradise there is a lot of kind of just like jumping between different people and seeing what's going to work um but they spent a couple of episodes sort of together and like you know trying to make Shed it a kiss work.
1: on screen yeah yeah
0: had some dates you know it was it was a big moment when it happened there was also a lot of like queer baiting and stuff that led up to it which was quite uncomfortable but there was mm-hmm. something really happening there as well We get some very beautiful ponder shots as brooke does yoga by the water at sunrise and in vo brooke says i am just a girl trying to fall in love whoever that's with my motivation to find love has always been the same i've always looked beyond what a person looks like it's not about sexuality it's not about gender it's not about genitalia it's always about connection i just want to find my person and i really love that brooke takes the time to lay this out and to like separate gender from genitalia here because I feel like that's a lesson that a lot of people are still learning. Um, she's speaking to every level of the audience, I guess, um, which is part of the responsibility of do- of doing all this, you know. So-
2: she did sort of say when we were chatting too that she, because I like, kind of asked about why she didn't want to call herself bi during the Honey Badger season. Mm. And she like said that she really does kind of feel like she's more pan than than bisexual, mm. but it's that constant like, misconception that lots of people have that bisexual is non-binary and trans exclusive which it's not right but she just like has really struggled with that word mm. and it's like she's finally embracing it which is great and it's i guess a way of teaching everybody mm-hmm. about oh it's easy to communicate than pan but it makes sense that she's kind of like this is the you know multi-gender attraction and the way that i do it so power to her yeah can you
1: draw that distinction for us if we've got people listening who are saying okay cool what is what is the distinction what is what is pansexual
2: so bisexual is when you are attracted to your own and other genders um it doesn't mean men and women it means more than one um pansexual means attraction regardless of gender or some people believe it means attraction to all genders. So that definition is kind of debated and, you know, people take either one. Um, but the reason, you know, the thing I take from Pan is it's like, it's like that Shit's Creek line where it's like, I like the wine, not the label. Mm. You know, it's, it's about attraction to personality and spirit before body. Um, but bisexual people can be attracted to non-binary, trans, all kinds of people and also like their bodies and their gender for what they are. Mm. So that's where I draw the distinction between bi and pan. Um, They're very closely related and a lot of it's kind of just how you feel with that on you.
1: And so how does it feel to you hearing this, hearing Brooke enunciate this on on television?
2: It feels amazing. Like it's just so great that more people are being exposed at this level, especially on a show like The Bachelor, which you know, is a lot has has done a lot of heterosexual trash things yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. oh, yeah. in the past. You know, to have her sort of articulate just the very like the huge breadth of queerness, you know, mm. like that it's not just I like girls and guys. It's a really multifaceted and sometimes really hard to nail down and define um thing about us. Mm. But that's what makes it really beautiful. I love that Brooke like leans into this ambiguity in a big way. I um I think it's so important to put in front of audiences because I think that's what modern queerness really is.
0: Yeah, and I think you can tell that Brooke has put a huge amount of of thought into uh, not just how she's going to communicate this on TV, but also what these parts of herself like mean and you know how how she feels about people of different genders and you know her views on relationships and all that kind of stuff, which is what you want from a bachelor or a bachelorette regardless of whatever their sexual like orientation might be, you want Mm -hmm. even the straightest, whitest, dudest bachelor to at least be engaging on that level. And the fact that Brooke is doing that whilst also taking on these other elements, uh, makes it all the more engaging.
1: Yeah, it feels considered and it feels like she's done a lot of growing even since the first time she appeared on our screens a couple of years ago.
2: Yeah, definitely. And and she said as much, you know, like at the time she was like, well, You know, I've been in relationships with women. She didn't want to own a word. And she has really come to understand and research and know and work out what that means to her. And that's, you know, especially for multi-attracted, multi-gender attracted people where there isn't a script for you in terms of how you grow up and how you come out and where you like what's normal. Mm. That is just, it takes time. It takes to getting to 26 to be like, oh, yeah, okay, this is... This is where I'm at. And it's so amazing for young queer people, especially, you know, people under the bi umbrella to be watching this and going, oh, like to see narratives that they can actually like insert themselves into. Yeah. It's it's so huge. Like it's so meaningful. Yeah.
0: Uh, We get a glimpse of Brooke's childhood. Uh, Her mom and her nan passed away while she was quite young. She had to grow up quickly and look after her siblings. And so that's played a part in the strong connection that she has to her family today. Brooke says she feels responsibility to her community as well as the queer community because she is both the first Indigenous lead and the first bisexual lead. And it's hard not to think about the Immense pressure that must come along with that. I think we, we're talking about it all throughout this episode. But Brooke, at least at this point, is truly just like accentuating the positives. She's really proud to be able to do this. And she, you know, she understands the significance and the impact of this kind of representation. She's approaching it head on. And we cut to a limo, pulling up at the mansion. And as Brooke steps out, we hear the distinctive sounds of a didgeridoo and clapsticks being played by three elders. One of them gives a welcome to country, during which Brooke sheds a tear. This moment was truly, truly beautiful. And you could tell how meaningful it was to Brooke as well. Um, She says it was like a little piece of home. Um, What did you guys think? I mean, I I watched this a few times when I was writing notes. Um, I was writing notes about it, and then I deleted the notes, thinking that it was going to explain itself better than I could. But like, it was a very emotional experience to see this.
2: It was incredibly meaningful. So beautiful, really, really was, and like to see her as well. Just you know, feeling connected and represented, and being able to do this on a national stage as well, just is yeah, really beautiful and really meaningful.
1: Mm. And amplifies the enormity of it as well, and the pressure that you're speaking about, Xavier.
0: And Osher asks Brooke how it feels to be here, and she says she can't even put it into words. I'm just so excited for all those t- little 10 year old Brooks that feel represented and feel proud to just be who they are with no judgment to which Osha says, cause you can't be what you can't see. And right now, Brooke, you are showing a generation of people, what they can be, but I also just really want you to fall in love, which I think is also good. Like I like that he is shifting it back to like, it is not just like a moment, you know, it is also like, uh, you know, I guess cynically, it's like, it's also, they're making a season of reality TV, but it's like, you know, there is, there it, it, the the fact that they're tying it into all of this stuff makes it all seem more serious. You know what I mean?
1: Yeah. Yeah. There are a lot of reasons and they all are good reasons, but Brooke is here ultimately for what the show considers to be the right reasons as well.
0: And moments later, the first limo arrives and out steps Holly, a 27 year old marketing administrator and dancer from Sydney she gets a short video package with her own ponder shots and she steps down the red carpet in a sparkly red dress and gets a hug from Brooke. There was no world in which it was going to be a guy first on this season. Um, <laughs> no. But I still like there was something pretty special
1: about this moment.
2: It was so freaking cute. Mm. Oh my goodness. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> no. Doing a
1: little dance, Nat, when we're talking about Holly.
2: I am so team Holly. Like I watched a bunch of previews and Mm -hmm. Holly was the one that I watched where I like was nearly in tears. So I was like, this is so freaking cute. Mm. I'm losing my shit. And then (laughs) watching it in this moment, and she when she sort of I know you're gonna you're gonna recap it anyway, um baby, but when she sort of comes up and she's like, I'm a dancer, could we have a little dance? She spins her around and I'm just like This, I mean, this is queer culture. This is lesbian culture right here. This is beautiful. She's win. She's wifey. She's wifey material to me. Mm-hmm. If she doesn't win, I will riot. <laughs> I am team Holly. And if Holly doesn't win, she can call me. Great. <laughs> I think you're right. Like,
0: this is so, it's so sweet. Uh, it's a bit flirty. Um, it's like, but it's also just so tender. Like, they're holding each other. And they are like complimenting each other's outfits and they're like blushing. And it's just like there, there is no denying that there is a real spark between them. Brooke asks Holly not to dance with anybody else. They both blush. I'm just having a great time watching this. It's wonderful. Up next is another entrance that we've glimpsed before. It is David who pulls up on a ride on mower wearing a delightful sparkly jacket and he tells Brooke the ride-on-mower is because he's got a landscaping business back in Brisbane, but it's also carrying some other cargo. As a means of celebrating his Persian heritage, he's brought some tea for them to share. He has also brought a magic genie's lamp, um, which it's an actual magic genie's lamp. And maybe he could have led with that. I mean, come on. Mm, mm. Feels like we could have skipped the whole process. Yeah. Uh, <laughs>
2: He's already cast a spell on her for sure. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. It's like
0: Um, he is offering her three wishes, although the first one has been used up on him appearing. Um, (laughs) It's very cute, and also like good on you, David, for bringing so many different options for your limo entrance, and eventually landing on all of them, and then they all (laughs) get into the final cut. (laughs) It's like I've got a vehicle, I've got an outfit, I've got three different props, one of which is like has its own individual wishes
1: component, you know. I was half expecting him to turn around and be like, and look at this, a live goat. <laughs>
2: <laughs> gentle maximalist David, and I'm I'm oh, so here for it.
1: Gentle is the word though, because this man has a demeanor that is so different mm. to any man that I think has been on this show in so many years. Mm. Like we haven't felt a really calm, gentle presence probably since glenn you know in in bachelor in paradise like there hasn't been that kind of dude calm and knows how to hold space but isn't overbearing
0: yeah i think yeah. they typically get a little scared of including people like that on the show because they they don't come guaranteed with like reactive personalities and drama and you know like it's not going to cause uh, a storyline to develop necessarily if someone's just like gentle and understanding and kind yeah uh but i love that there's it's room true. for it here
1: Yeah, yeah, it's really beautiful. I have a lot of time for David and we'll get uh, further into him in the next episode. Yeah, Mm -hmm. Uh,
0: he heads inside and Brooke, for the second time in as many uh, contestants, ponders just leaving with the most recent person that she's met um, (laughs) in an ITM. A producer makes a joke about writing Just Married on the back of the lawnmower, which is funny
1: enough to make it into the final edit. Absolute dream. Now, I'm sure you can relate to this as a radio producer when you make a joke that then gets into whatever the final edit of the thing that goes out on air. Like, it's such a win, don't you think? Like,
0: yes,
3: yeah. I did it. I
1: That's got one. me. Yeah. I'm on there. <laughs> uh,
0: and then we meet our night one bad boy, Bo. Bad boy Bo is a 34-year-old photographer from Sydney. In ITM, he says, I like to look good. I like to dress good as some smooth, funky, porny-sounding music plays. <laughs> As he marches up to Brooke, camera in hand, he gives the total stranger two unprompted nicknames, Brookie and BB, before telling her, you look beautiful, cute AF. Uh, He makes a bawdy joke about being good with his hands before suggesting an impromptu photo shoot, which she reluctantly but graciously agrees to. You can see her being like... Uh Uh-huh, I knew that'd be some of this, you know. (laughs) Uh, And after he takes some photos, he tells her, Lovely, I have my own personal stash of photos already. These are for my personal collection. Pretty gross. Ew.
1: Yeah. (laughs) This is Grim from Bo.
2: Bo is a no from the get-go. Like, (laughs) I'm sorry. Just... Ew. <laughs> I
0: truly agree. But I'm like, okay, I get on some level why some people come on this show and they're not very interested in actually being in a relationship and maybe, you know, I mean, I'm now being sort of almost ludicrous about this. Are you being like, pro-bo? Uh, no, I'm not being pro but I'm like, I get why if you're a photographer, you would want to come on here and talk about being a photographer and carry your camera and do a little photo shoot and get people to check out your Instagram or whatever. Like that makes complete sense to me. But then it's such an own goal. Any possible gain outside the show, if you're not interested in the lead, is completely destroyed by being so unprofessional. You don't <laughs> want this kind of atmosphere on your uh, on your shoot, you know. I do think that there is a distinction to be made between what we consider to be the villain of a given batchy season or a given reality TV show, and the character type that Bo is slotting into here. Um, yeah, that's true. Bo, I think, is filling the role that was given to Belinda on Jimmy's season. Or maybe Jess, the mayor from Noosa on Angie's season. Um, I don't think these people are actually meant to stick around. I think they're just meant to be like, did you see that thing that happened at the cocktail? But like to get people to watch maybe even just the second episode, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, but it is also just like, come on, we're still doing this, particularly in this season where like so much is feels like it's changing. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, yeah. Look, I didn't want you to have to do any pro pro-bono work, so... <laughs> I'm in the position that I think we can cut this man and and run. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Very good. Uh, Carissa, the 30 year old psychologist from the Gold Coast is next. She is draped in a very elegant blue dress with a very long train and has brought Brooke a picture that she has painted for her. And then she begins to tell Brooke the story of how she got to be here. Beginning with the death of both her parents a few years ago. Fuck. She says a beautiful rainbow appeared after her mom's funeral And she kept seeing them whenever she thought about her. And then she saw Brooke's photo for the first time. And she felt instantly drawn to her. And then Brooke tells her that she saw a beautiful rainbow in the sky on the way here. So it feels like it's a bit of a sign for both of them. And then Brooke unrolls the painting. And it's of a turtle with a rainbow-coloured shell. Carissa says, I want the rainbow to represent not only the queer community, but also the universe magic that led me here. And I think this is really sweet. But I'm also, like... This is interesting, and I say this with zero judgment towards Caressa, who I truly think is great, but I was a little surprised that this was given a fully positive edit with no perceivable trace of, like, making fun of her for having this spiritually significant moment. Right. Like, the fact that she says there's so much synchronicity... It's not. Mm-hmm. They don't like. They don't like. Go. Isn't she a doofus? She said it wrong or whatever. Now I feel like I'm doing it.
1: No, yeah, it's like you're doing it for the purpose of of validating what the show didn't do, which is the first time in God knows how long that this show has been able to show any shred of restraint. Right. Mm.
0: Right. And 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 th- and that's what I'm thinking is that like I could sense on rewatch that the editors were restraining themselves from their usual mm. patterns. I'm speculating this is probably because Carissa is going to stick around for a little while. Um, And Mm. also that Brooke just seems totally on board with it. She's not recoiling from this in any way.
2: I I, I felt the exact same thing. Like I was in our group chat on on Messenger and I was like preemptively cringing. Like Mm. I was like, oh, look, she brought a little she have brought a little drawing, yeah, yeah, like, yeah. Yeah. fucking cute. And then they did actually treat it really seriously and then I felt terrible. <laughs> right. <laughs> I was like, oh, I'm the arsehole. Uh, yeah, they think have was gone out of their
1: way to validate her. Good, good.
2: Up next we
0: see Conrad, a 31-year-old carpenter from Melbourne who's squeezing into the limo with a big chunk of wood in voiceover saying that he senses he's often judged by appearance thinking you know people think he's a typical athletic staunch kind of guy but really he's actually sensitive and romantic um and i think we're meant to agree with that uh i I see no reason to disagree with it at this point uh he emerges carrying the wood wearing high viz and steel cap boots and he tells brooke he thought that they could have a go at building something of their own together and making some memories pretty sweet kind of a little bit close to like a very cheesy line but i don't think he quite does that he gets her to help carry out some more bits of wood and they both have a go with the drill putting together this chair i was watching this again i'm like how long do you reckon this took in real time
2: (laughs) (laughs) i think it's got to be like an ikea situation where everything was pretty much pre-done all she had to do was like Couple Drill of screws. Four, four screws yeah. and it was done. Four
1: screws, drop the little Allen key a hundred times <laughs> as you're trying to fucking yeah. get the th- yeah, get yeah. In there. realize you've been looking at the instruction manual upside down the whole time. Yeah.
2: It's great training for being in an actual couple. So, <laughs> so that right. it's
0: true. Um, he tells her that he's gonna find a magical, beautiful, picturesque spot for the chair, and during the cocktail party they can both have a sit on it together brooke itms she's dying to sit on the seat for a chat and i think this is an elevated play from conrad um it reminds me of uh our friend janey burks leaving her shoe so that richie would have to come and find her later it's like you are setting up something that will pay off later on
2: oh will it well <laughs> very very good question
0: prescient hmm it's like you watched the episode. <laughs> oh my God. I think I watched the show. <laughs> uh, Ryan, a 29 year old plumber from New South Wales says, what a night to find the love of your life before being completely skipped over. And I have <laughs> deleted this man from my brain immediately. <laughs> Ritu says that holding hands with Brooke makes her feel safe. Tej introduces herself in what I believe is Wiradjuri language, telling Brooke that she is studying for a Bachelor of Community and Social Development for Indigenous Communities and also tells Brooke that she's stunning. Both good things to point out, I reckon. Lovely. Um, Mm -hmm. Kurt, a tall and conventionally handsome white dude, says, I've got a bit of a swimming background before pulling out a one-piece swimming costume with her name on it for some reason.
2: The swimsuit was for her, right? Yeah. like It was like a gift for her. So I yeah. like, I would like to see you in this. I guess Ooh, that's
0: a good Yeah, vibe, good question. Yeah.
2: yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah, I don't know. I, I wouldn't lead with it myself. Mm. If you're going to bring someone close, bring them a nice hat, you know? Definitely. I yeah, feel no one's going to go wrong with, like, a-, a hat with a slogan or something.
2: A cap, a yeah. cap, yeah. A beach oh, towel.
1: Maybe, like, a Even steampunk better. hat.
2: <laughs> beach towel with your face on it. There you know? go. Yeah. Screen printer
1: beach towel with your face on it. It's beautiful. Beautiful gift. Done. <laughs> Uh, Matt, the
0: metal fabricator from Queensland, should be called a rap fabricator because he spits <laughs> bars. <laughs> oh? uh, well, hey, Batchette, it's time to see see if I'm right for you and you're right for me. Who knows where this journey could go? Could be a bumpy ride with highs and lows. Peace.
1: Did I write that wrong or is that bad? Nope. <laughs> no, no, no. Is you that wrote that. That's what he said. Now, I would like to take issue with, well, hey, Batchette. To begin with, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Because you've used two superfluous words and not been able to fit in the word bachelorette. <laughs>
2: that's true. You're wasting syllables. You
1: lose one of them?
2: Bachelorette. Hey, You're bachelorette. Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. 100%. You're so that's where I would like to start mm. with this. The mm-hmm. uh, the rest of the way, I'm out. Mm. <laughs> yeah, yeah.
2: Why sell yourself so short? Rap is about raggedoche. True, it's absolutely. It's like, I am here, I'm going to slay. That pussy is mine to stay in i'm not i'm not (laughs) i mean that would have done fine great job
0: well yeah you're right though he's totally hedging his bets he's like who knows where this journey could go maybe i'm gonna i'm I'm just gonna leave right now actually you know what (laughs) this verse is done i would like someone to put a beat behind maybe max you can put a beat behind me reciting that just see if you can line it up yes of course yeah yeah thank
1: you sounds great
0: um i get the impression maybe he has been asked to do this he doesn't seem like rapping is his like Uh,
1: passion in life necessarily like if you are ever listeners ever 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 going on this show and they say to you you should do a rap unless you are a rapper Mm. you should not do a rap it's time to say
2: how about something else
1: what (laughs) if i were to do another thing that wasn't that instead
2: (laughs) drop the mic and walk away (laughs) yeah yeah yeah
1: what about this one tried and tested here's a goat
0: perfect (laughs) Or even just, like, if they're like, we need you to rap, and if you don't rap, we won't even put you on the show, here's what Mm. you do. You come out and you say, well, my name is Matt, and I'm here to say, you're already halfway there. And then you finish it off with, like, I'm here to meet the Bachelorette in a metal-fabricating way,
2: or something...
0: It doesn't matter exactly. you can then l- just leave you've completed the mission
2: let me just pick my underwear up off the floor because <laughs> yeah that right was, yeah that got me it did
0: oh uh, you know i've it's five years of practice you know we've been doing this show <laughs> for a while Mm. of rapping Uh, yeah (laughs) yeah yeah yeah. of correcting people's raps when they do them on the show
2: (laughs) (laughs) hang on how often do raps happen almost every season it's pretty frequent oh my god incredible
1: (laughs) if you stick around to the end of the episode now when you listen to this back which i have no doubt that you definitely Mm. will do Mm. definitely you will undoubtedly hear uh what i would consider the the pioneering rap that's the thing is There is a rap that is
0: deeply embedded within the pantheon of The Bachelorette Australia and this guy just doesn't hold a candle. Incredible. I've already forgotten his name. It's not a good sign. Matt.
2: (laughs) You should have said what his name was and he was here to stay.
0: Um, (laughs) uh, Jess arrives with chocolate brownies. Emily arrives with a small wet
1: horse named Elvis. (laughs) (laughs) Why was
0: the horse
3: wet?
1: Every I think it's the same thing. You pointed this out to me during our uh spin-off season, Bachelor of Hearts presents Ancient History. Mm. Uh that the driveway has to be wet for the contestants to walk down it because it looks better on TV for some reason. The light reflects off it.
2: Do they slip over? How often do they slip it's
1: over? It's OH and S.
0: It has yeah. to be. I yeah. can't understand it myself. You hear but... you hear stories about their dresses like with long trains being completely obliterated by the first night? Um, Mm. I don't know how many people fall over It
1: does happen, I've seen it happen It stands to reason though, maybe Shetland ponies Just look better for TV When they're a bit wet Spray down that horse
2: Wetland pony (laughs) Good, thank you Terrific Thank you Uh,
0: Johan arrives with something in Tupperware We never get to see it uh oh, thank god. Then... <laughs> <laughs> Truly I have nightmares
2: about that Tupperware container. It's sweating. It was sweating. <laughs> True. True. Well yeah, I mean because like we have
0: other people show up with food and it's on like a beautiful plate or it's in like a master cloche or whatever. He's like, "No, no, this was in the fridge." <laughs> yeah. Uh but we do get here we do get to see him in ITM. Um he's I don't know what he was asked to get this reaction, but he goes,
2: "Yeah." <laughs> Wow, And that's
0: the last thing we hear from him ever, I think. Um, Beck arrives and is a very hot lady. Steve arrives and is a very hot gentleman. Uh, And Brooke says, smack bang on the money guys. Good crop, good picks. Which I feel like... (laughs) (laughs) Almost like that's like dialogue recycled from Honey Badger season, right? She's such a pro. Yeah. Yeah. She's great. I love it. And then Jamie Lee arrives, and Jamie Lee introduces us to her backstory with a video package from her time on Nick Cummins' season alongside Brooke. We've talked about this before. They were both on the show at the same time. They've got a little bit of a history, um, and, you know, there are some strategically placed ponder shots scattered throughout this. She says that after leaving the mansion, she and Brooke lost touch, so they never got the chance to explore if there was anything more to their connection. I wish that there was some kind of international network or something, which they could use to, you know, connect virtually anybody who has like a computer or a telephone so that they could, you know, be contacted at a moment's notice, no matter where they are in the world. We are told that Jamie Lee wrote a letter for Brooke when she left the mansion, which she has kept and brought with her this very night. It's not even creased. I noticed this was quite strange.
2: Yeah, do we really think yeah. do we really think she wrote it at the time? <laughs> like she,
0: has, she hasn't needed to move house even once in the last three years. <laughs> <laughs> um but I like that uh Brooke is surprised to see Jamie Lee. I wasn't sure whether or not this would be the case, but I guess it, it, it tracks, it makes it more interesting that she's like freaking out that Jamie Lee's here and we're left on a cliffhanger as we go into the commercial break, being like, Is this good surprise or bad surprise? Jamie Lee says, Hey babe. And they hug and Brooke says, pinch me. And then Jamie Lee reads her the letter. I'm so grateful that I've had you through this experience. You're one of a kind and you deserve to take this out. Please remember your worth through everything you've got coming your way. This is going to test you, but if anyone can handle it, it's you. Remember, things happen for a reason, to have faith in yourself and the universe's plan for you. Thank you for being you, letting me in, and always being real. Everything will turn out exactly as it should, I promise.
1: Now, now you may not know this, but this is actually only the second greatest love text <gasps> that has been expressed uh, over the many seasons of this show. The oh, greatest wow. one is the speech given by this man named Jamie. And coincidence? <laughs> yes. Yeah, I know. I, they must have a thing for it. Yeah, I, and I have a copy of what Jamie said uh, here, and he doesn't even say it to the her, her name's Eleanor. He doesn't even say it to her face. He just kind of is talking about her. And it is one of the most romantic and beautiful sentiments that I, th- like, I would wager that you might cry at this. Okay. And if we that's need so to take
0: excited. a little break after you hear this, that's totally fine. Like, I'm free all night to record, so you know, <laughs> whatever
1: you need. Okay. So he says this: I had feelings for Eleanor that I've actually never felt for anyone in my life. She gave me butterflies every morning when I saw her. I would be talking to her. And I would be busting to go to the toilet. And I would rather piss my pants and sit there and talk to her than go to the toilet.
0: That's true love. Yeah. Are they still together, Max?
1: Flatly, no, no,
2: never happened. Were they, <laughs> happened. He Were they him, ever together? He also, no. She knew. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. It was over. <laughs> yeah,
0: unfortunately,
2: <laughs> hey, I wouldn't write uh, him off. Uh, Put him back on the uh, show, you know.
1: Can I just say, I got a text from downstairs from Danny, and she said, "Not the piss thing again." I think that's enough. <laughs> <laughs> uh,
2: oh. <laughs>
0: We need a Kickstarter to buy you some soundproofing for your house.
2: (laughs) Has anyone actually pissed themselves on the Bachelor franchise?
1: Uh, Look, the closest we've gotten is one man pissed in another man's pot plant at some point along the way. That did
0: happen, yeah. (laughs)
1: Yeah. But that was was not an accident. That was an, an act of malice. I
0: have not yet seen every episode of every version of The Bachelor and The Bachelorette, so I cannot confirm or deny. There's a whole show called Bachelor Pad that I've never watched. Oh, wow. Which uh, is an American spin off that, that predates means Bachelor Paradise. that they Paradise. wear one because everyone's pissing, everyone's I pissing them. themselves? Everyone's yeah, <laughs> themselves. Yeah. This is good. Yeah, the, yeah. The, the one that came before that was called Bachelor Nappy, which now that I think about it, <laughs> may have had some fluids. Some yeah. Mm. Uh, Brooke remembers the letter and tells Jamie Lee that she is extremely excited that she's here, and they embrace before Jamie Lee heads into the mansion. Somehow that's everybody. We only have a pretty small crop this time around. It's sixteen people, which it's is... a good crop though. Oh, every everyone's a winner, except except <laughs> Except a few of them. <laughs> yeah, I'm I'm definitely lying. But like, I kind of I mean I don't I don't I, I don't like it in the level that like it just means that the season's going to be shorter. Yeah, but it means that on episode one, like you know everybody, you at least yeah. have, you know you at least have seen everybody, which isn't
1: always the case. We get to know everyone on a more intimate level as well as as the season progresses.
0: Yes, exactly. There's more space for everyone. There's more time for everybody. Like on the on a typical US season, we're introduced to like thirty people on night one, and like a big chunk of them are cut immediately. And we just there was like no reason for them to ever be there except to have a high body count on the first episode. Um, Mm. But this way. And particularly because there's only one person going away at the uh, going going away going to the big farm upstate. (laughs) Uh, There's only one person eliminated on this episode, so you you know you're like you're rewarded for paying attention to the whole thing, I guess. Mm. The men and women begin to mingle. Kurt shows the group that he has got a matching pair of swim trunks to go with the one piece that he showed Brooke, uh, and he like shows them by pulling his pants down, which feels like a little bit inappropriate. I don't know if that's the move for when you just arrive at the party. You ever just met 15 people and pulled your pants down?
2: <laughs> that's a lot. There's a lot of me? things going on with
0: Kurt. <laughs> uh, we focus on Bo a little bit as he says that he's not worried about there being both men and women in Brooke's dating pool because he says, quote, there's nothing wrong with a bit of healthy competition. Which feels like it is an answer to a different question. Like, there was always <laughs> going to be a bit of healthy competition. Uh
2: we get it's Someone who doesn't look at very many bisexual memes on the internet. <laughs> true, <right>? true. <laughs>
0: um, we get a slightly more honest answer from Beck, who says, I think women are much more intimidating than men, um, which is... I mean, largely true, and also just like a fucking great slam against all of the dudes there. Jamie Lee enters and heads turn. We hear people saying things like, oh, she looks familiar, as if they didn't all just watch Brooks' season on 10 play in like the week or two before this. Surely they're studying, right? I don't
1: know.
2: Maybe you want to go in cold, right? Yeah. Maybe maybe. you're just like, actually, I just want to... Yeah, I just want
0: to fill this out. Maybe that speaks to the illness inside of me that it's just like, I need to know everything about all of these people.
2: (laughs) Show you my graphs.
0: And then a familiar ringing noise. (laughs) That's
2: your walk-in prop, isn't it? (laughs) is my
0: many charts. Oh, on the season of Bachelorette US that just started, there mm. is somebody who draws a lot of ire on night one because they enter with like folders full of like strategy and game plan. That's
1: and stuff. cool. It's
0: fucking wild. Oh, I love that's, that. That would be my thing, I guess. Absolutely. I would, I mean, I'd probably know better than to bring them in a folder, but
1: yours would not be, mm. no, it wouldn't be strategy and game plan. It would just be like. For example, would you like to tell Nat about the the thing that Osha reposted today?
2: I actually saw your graph, so I already know. <laughs> yeah,
0: well, here is here is the part of the episode that we're at. So I am endlessly fascinated by this thing that happens at every premiere episode of The Bachelor and Bachelorette, which is after everybody's arrived and they've had a few moments to sort of feel each other out. It's time for Osha to reappear and to gather everybody and to herald the beginning of the actual experience, you know, and gameplay has begun and we hear the buzzer, but in this instance, it's not a buzzer. It's Osha holding up a little glass, a little champagne flute, and he he tings against it like you would at a cocktail party, you know? Um, And so recently I have begun cataloging and tabulating the ting quantities um, just to see which seasons are the rowdiest, just to see, I mean, you know, there's a lot of conclusions we can draw from this. The data is still in its early stages, but we have the raw numbers now. Um, and I'm just fascinated by it. And what, you know, can we see a correlation between ting quantity and ratings? Can we see a ting quantity versus uh, player number? You know, all this stuff fascinates me. Um, but that we're, we're still in process with that. But anyway, this is what's happening now in the show. Our handsome host, Osher Ginsberg, blesses us with 22 tings, which is like tied for second of most tings. It is a good hefty quantity of tings. But I saw, because Osher (laughs) Ginsberg retweeted or re-shared this on Instagram today, that he is now aware that the tings are being recorded. So I'm fascinated to see how that affects the data in future.
2: But he does he have any control over how many Tings make it to the edit? Oh,
0: true. That's
2: the question.
0: That I don't know because, yeah, he's not like, he
2: doesn't- Because he could just be doing this for half an hour. Like This on. is it.
0: This is it. <laughs> well, maybe he does it once and they just like double it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, I don't know. I don't know. But, you know, whether or not that's the case, I would be curious to see- you know whether next time we see tings, which I think more more likely than not won't be until next year. You know, will will there be a little wink to the BOH audience when when the tings are being brought out? You know, what I want to see, my end goal, I think, for the ting thing is I want one big
1: ting.
2: <laughs> I I want like the ting tings to play underneath yeah i want somebody to call him andrew and for him to be like that's not my name
1: it's a great (laughs)
0: tie-in yes Uh, okay there's plenty of options so they can't cancel the show they've got to keep it on the air so we can play all these out as usual the cast is delighted to see osha ginsburg and he reiterates the unique talking points about this season saying while the journey may be different the destination is exactly the same brooke is here to find true love he also introduces the first impression rose, which does not have a fancy name like it sometimes does. It is just the first impression rose. Yeah, why not? Um, And the recipient of this rose will be brought along on the first single date. Brooke arrives. She gives her opening speech saying she wants to find an absolute true and real love and that after the first impressions on the red carpet, I absolutely think it's in this room. That's a direct quote. It is imperative... That every bachelor and bachelorette says, I absolutely think my partner or my husband or whatever is in this room at the beginning of every single season, regardless of whether or not they're in a room. Brooke is outdoors when she says this. She's like, (laughs) it's one of you guys in here. Uh, She proposes a toast to real love in all its forms. And everybody says cheers. And I spotted at least two people taking fake sips from empty glasses. (laughs) I figure this is one of two things. Either it is a strategic move to stop yourself from doing something embarrassing on night one. Like you're like, I'm just not going to, we're not going to do that. Or it's just like, oh shit, Brooke's coming. She's going to do a toast. I I just sculled my whole fucking glass of sparkling. What are we going to do?
2: I think it's the latter.
1: Me too. That's a very Max Quinn, Max Quinn kind of move. (laughs) Brooke steals
0: Carissa away for the first chat. Who says the word synchronicity for a second time. Wow. I'm. I don't want to be annoying about this. I don't want to just come on here and correct people, but anyway, Um, this chat is very cute in my opinion, because they're kind of just flinging compliments back and forth at one another and the rest of the party are debating whether or not to go and interrupt. Tage is the first one to steal signaling the beginning of the revolving door that we see at all these cocktail parties. Brooke ITMs that confidence in a woman is attractive. And then we see Ritu attempt to steal, followed by Holly, which prompts Brooke to ask, where are the men? We drop back in on Conrad, who wants to cash in his pinky promise from Brooke to share a moment on the (laughs) love seat. He ITMs that he believed that he'd made it pretty clear that he was hoping to have the first chance to sit with Brooke on the seat, which seems fair enough. He did fucking make it. Mm hmm. The men all kind of stand there gawking at the chair, and they're like, Oh, yeah, that's a nice chair, I reckon. Yeah, good solid <laughs> bit of timber. Oh.
2: That's why none of the men are going for Brooke because they're just appreciating right. great craftsmanship. Yeah. You're yeah.
0: Like, Oh, what kind of sandpaper did you use on that? The fine grain or the,
2: you know, that. You're clearly, you're uh, men, very, men pra- you're very practiced at this. I've spent a lot what of time kind around of chairs. And men.
0: <laughs> <laughs> uh, and then Tage tells Conrad that the bare wooden chair needs a little TLC and offers to help, popping a few pillows on there to nicen it up. I adored this. This was beautiful,
1: wasn't it? Yeah.
2: Yeah. Tage is such a Tage is good egg. I, I really so like too. her. I like her so much. Yeah, me too. Yeah.
1: I um, don't get winner vibes from Tage, yeah. but I do get you would be a good hang. Yeah, real sweetie. Yeah.
2: And
0: it's really nice to see these moments where the men and women are getting along. Um, I think it's worth noticing that Conrad, more so than some of the other men, seems really comfortable around the women. Mm -hmm. And particularly given that they're queer women, like I don't want to necessarily just give him too much credit or whatever, but I'm like, I think it is meaningful that more so than some of the others, he doesn't seem to be threatened by them. He's like viewing them as equals and also that they're not threatened by him either like it matters that he is sitting with the women more so than the men who are kind of sitting together. Um, And they're like, you know, they're hyping him up about the chair and like this time that he's going to get with Brooke. Tej tells him to shoot his shot. I think all that stuff just reflects really well on him.
2: Out of all the guys, I think I like him apart from David, our prince, of course. Mm. Um, But you know, I really like Conrad. I think he's sweet. I think he's hot. I love his He hearing. maybe
0: is the hottest person I've ever seen He's in my entire so
2: life. so hot. Yeah. But, like, very lovely. I totally agree with you, Xavier, that it's like he really does seem to actually respect, have, like, a sense of respect for women or at least is willing to give them space. You know?
0: Yeah, at least as far as we can tell from right now. But I'm like, mm. you know, like, maybe he, like, grew up with sisters or, like, you know, there's a million reasons why this might be the case. But I'm just like, okay, I'm not getting anything bad radiating off him which you always want to give credit for on this show. <laughs> but meanwhile, Jess tells Steve, you guys remember Steve? Uh, no, that I she's don't. Next <laughs> Steve, come on. He's the guy. Is he the podiatrist? Uh, yeah, Steve's the foot guy. The foot guy. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, yeah. That she is next in line to talk to Brooke. And, she, uh, and Steve asks where Jess and Brooke are going to sit. And she mischievously says, I can't tell you that. And as Conrad is going to grab Brooke for their chat on the love seat, we see Jess and Brooke walking arm in arm past a much more nicely decorated batchy couch over to Conrad's seat. The music drops out. Jaws hit the floor. I kind of love how pure this drama is. (laughs) Like everybody's talking about this chair thing. It's the main event of this episode. Like, like, Everybody's saying Conrad, that's meant to be your love chair.
2: <laughs> it's so. Did you guys know
0: that I actually love chair as well? Like, I think Believe is one of the greatest pop songs of the nineteen
2: nineties.
1: <laughs> <laughs> is that the joke? Well done. It's <laughs> a joke. Me, no, you, you texted me and you're like, I've written the funniest joke in human history. No, unfortunately, it does get better than that. I regret to oh, inform wow. you <laughs> that was really good,
0: fantastic. Mm, thank you.
2: Do you believe in life after chair? Because Conrad mm. does mm. <laughs> yeah, it. Yeah, it's like a
0: game-breaking moment, you know? Mm, mm. Mm.
1: I'm surprised that the chair was, you know, sturdy enough to hold them both. I really didn't think that it was strong enough. No. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well done. Oh, man. That was good. Very, very sunny. <laughs> oh, Christ. Very sunny. All right, thanks for tuning in, everybody. Mom- <laughs> Mamma mia.
2: <laughs> Here we go again. Oh, boy. <laughs> good, good, good,
1: good, good,
0: good, good, <laughs> Conrad tells the man he feels a bit hurt and disrespected by Jess, and he is prompted to be the first to attempt to steal whilst Jess is still on the chair with Brooke. Jess ITMs that she has no regret about it, that you've got to do what you've got to do, and it was just a bit of fun. Which, like... On some level, I kind of get it. Like, on any other night out, I don't think it would matter this much. And even within the context of Batchy, like, it is pretty unexpected that this is, like, the main night one drama. Like, this feels like the kind of thing you could do pretty innocently and it wouldn't matter that much because something else was going wrong. But it just so happens that nothing else really goes wrong.
2: You know what I mean? It's adorable that this is the biggest drama (laughs) of the episode. And I couldn't decide if I... I thought it was just so unnecessarily mean of Jess, (laughs) but just Mm. in the dumbest way. And so I was like, I have to pay it because you know you're getting attention for this.
1: Yeah. And that's
2: well done. You're in memes. Congratulations.
1: Have we considered the 28 days of it all? Talk to me about that. She's just ripping it off. I don't... When it's not even that she's just ripping it up, it's that the uh, Australian punk band 28 Days, as we all know, mm-hmm. uh, in 2002, released uh, their third studio album, Stealing Chairs. <laughs> <laughs> That's
0: not even the big one, is it? Is that oh, the no. big one?
1: No, 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 it's it's definitely the worst one, but it does have What's <laughs> the Deal on it, which is a great song. Oh, What's the Deal is good. Her
2: favourite movie is The Benchwarmers. Um. oh good
0: (laughs) um but yeah i mean like on night one i feel like you do have to be a little bit careful about making enemies um which you know maybe this is a a bridge too far a bench too far (laughs) um the boys finally get their act together it seems like everybody gets the chance to talk to brooke for a second darvin and brooke have a little chat indoors and I feel like just the fact that they're indoors maybe indicates to me that he's an early favorite because they've like had to do another camera setup or whatever. Um, and she tells him that he makes her nervous but also calm. Okay, um, Jamie Lee has been playing it cool because she doesn't want to step on anybody's toes to get time with Brooke, but she does eventually get her moment to tell her that in their bachelor season, she didn't know whether her feelings for Brooke were mutual and if Brooke. Had it ended up with Nick, she could have jeopardized their friendship. Brooke says it was like sliding doors. It wasn't quite the right place or the right time, but she's so glad that Jamie Lee's here. They hug on the seat together and Jamie Lee whispers, I just really want to kiss you, but I'm not going to. And Brooke says, don't worry, it'll happen. Jamie Lee tells Brooke, I wouldn't have been here if it were anybody else. Just know that. And then seconds later, they kiss. They kiss. And it is. It happened. Fucking truly beautiful. There is a lot of like real joy and mm. real passion there, and I'm like cheering them on from the couch.
2: This is a big moment. It's super cute. It's uh, it, it's wonderful to see. We're, we're yeah. happy to see it. I'm here. For, I'm here for Jamie Lee. I think she's. I think she's all right. I think she's cool. Yeah, me too. Yeah.
1: Yeah. I got a lot of time for Jamie Lee. Um, it's time to give
0: out the first impression Rose and after everybody Has convinced themselves it's going to be them Including photographer Bo, who says uh, When it when he's revealed to not be him He says it's great that it's a guy The guys are off to a great head start We're winning baby we're winning
2: fucked. Really fucked up How I good is fragile him. masculinity I hate him
1: hmm. This was It was the funniest quote of the episode me. <laughs>
0: I found it a little grim. But... It was
1: extremely grim, but for me it was just like how happy he was that some other dude won. <laughs> That's
0: true. Yeah, you're like, Fuck okay. you. Good for you.
2: Penis power. Okay. Solidarity, bro. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah.
0: Finally, a win for the boys. <laughs> Historically,
2: so rare. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
0: So it goes to David and Brooke says, I would like to use one of those wishes david will you grant me the wish and accept this first impression rose and of course her wish is granted i'm curious to see whether the third one is going to come up at some point definitely mm-hmm. definitely and i was thinking it might be a cute way to finish the season
1: <gasps> oh, right
2: oh i hope so
1: if that's oh, the way that's it's going really 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 nice mm.
0: also a sidebar people kept saying uh, about David. Oh, you're a Persian prince. You look like a Persian prince.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Is that a thing? I don't I haven't really yeah, heard that like, expression before. Like
2: the Prince of Persia. The you ever movie. played the game Prince of Persia?
0: I was thinking Prince of Persia as yeah. in the game. But yeah. oh, everybody kept it's not saying the
1: movie as it turns out. Oh, no, oh they made a movie. a movie of it. It's yeah, no, you're a... right. Oh.
0: It was played by famous Persian man Jake ha <laughs> 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 But yeah. I was like, no, they're not. They're not necessarily talking about prince of Persia. They're talking about Persian prince. And I was like, does Persian prince write songs like? <clears throat> oh. Is this oh, thing on? God. Here we go. Iran would die for you. Oh, oh no! Purple Tehran.
3: Oh, no.
0: Raspberry global epicenter of Shia Islam. <laughs> 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 When doves produce 4.1 million barrels of petroleum per day? <laughs> Am I right, folks? <laughs> yep. yep. Kiss. You're right. You are.
2: Uh, yep. I, I, People
0: from all parts of the world kiss one another, including in in Persia and now known as Iran.
2: I want an Ayatollah like it's 1999. Oh,
0: great. Really good. Really, <laughs> really good. Really good. <laughs> I had to Google both Prince songs and Iran words. <laughs>
2: you have that in the back of your head now for trivia, though, because someone will That's definitely ask about Iranian yeah, film production.
0: So. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And our listeners do, too. Uh, okay, so we go to the rose ceremony in a fairly surprising move for the premiere uh, episode. There's only one person sent home. We talked about that already. Um Osha tells the group that Jamie Lee was feeling unwell and was unable, unable to attend the rose ceremony, but that Brooke had guaranteed her a rose prior to the ceremony. All of that happened off camera. I was a bit mm. interested in how that shook out, but whatever. With Jamie Lee and David safe, the roses are handed out in this order. Holly, Kurt, Carissa, Ritu, Tej, Bo, Conrad, Ryan, Beck, Matt, Emily, our favorite friend, Steve and Jess. So it's Johan Alessandrini, the twenty-seven-year-old carpenter, one of like three, four carpenters on this season. Mm. Uh, he's the one with the pink jacket and the like weirdly
2: clasped hands in the photo. Freaking Tupperware, the right. sweaty mold
1: box. Oh. <laughs> <Brooke> <laughs> took one look at Not those results, and she was like, "Out,
2: no, thank you."
1: <laughs> yeah, he's also the one who did the big.
2: Yoo-ho-ho-ho!
0: his ITM and then vanished.
2: (laughs) Johan!
3: Put your Yoohoo
0: glue sticks out for Johan. Johan managed to get 298 new followers out of this very strange week of his life, which is a lot better than I can say about any week of my life. Um, And it's also worth mentioning that this is noticeably more followers than anybody who left in week one of The Bachelor this year got. So people are engaged. For what this is like. a young audience. This is a young social audience. Right. And thus ends our first episode of The Recap. But let's continue to dive deep <laughs> The Bachelorette Australia, Season 7, Episode 2. Hey, guess what? We talked about it already, but this episode begins with an acknowledgement of country as well. Fuck yeah. Uh, the men and women are sitting around outside the mansion and Taj ITMs, I think it's so awesome that there's both male and females in the same space being here for one woman and it doesn't matter what gender you are. I think it's great and I actually don't understand why it hasn't happened earlier, to be
2: honest. Yeah. Do you think we're, are we, hang on, are we making history?
0: Huh? Is, this, is this new?
2: <laughs> is this the first time we've ever done this? <laughs> Anywhere in the world?
1: Couldn't say. I have no idea. I don't think anyone has made if do you know what, if they have if they genuinely are breaking ground here, <laughs> they should mention it more.
0: Well, I don't think they even know, honestly. <laughs> mm, mm. I think we should write in. Yeah. We should probably so let them much- because we've seen a lot of this
1: show. Savy make yeah. a graph.
0: I'm gonna have to make a graph. So I'm gonna make a telling? graph of like uh same sex relationships on The Bachelor versus uh <laughs> you know, or whatever. Uh, <laughs> Just a one really big column and one really small column. Uh, I do like her saying, or I think it's interesting that they included in the edit her saying, um, I don't understand why it hasn't happened earlier, to be honest. Cause I'm like, I wish they had to answer that. Yeah. You know? Yeah, it's a I bit wish of an own goal. That producer who got the funny, funny joke in the previous episode had to come out in front of the camera and say, like, we well, were all too fucking scared. <laughs> <You know?
2: laughs> yeah. Cause we are cowards. Right. Yeah. Yeah. No, it, it was very strange. It's weird how they're sort of like trying to yeah, trying to absolve themselves, but it's not a great way of absolving yourselves.
0: Yeah, I think they're trying to engage with the criticism but also yeah. not necessarily acknowledge too much fault on their own part for, for what has happened up until now.
2: Why could it possibly not have happened earlier?
0: <laughs>
2: Was it my fault? Who knows? Did I yeah. do this? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> is like, I never thought. I never thought to apply. Yeah. <laughs>
0: A group date card arrives for Jamie Lee, Matt, Bo, Beck, Ryan, Carissa, Kurt, Holly, Jess, and Conrad. Moments later, we cut to this very group date and Beck ITMs that they have arrived at what can only be described as a quintessential English cottage mansion, and I couldn't put it any better myself. Uh, and of course, we learn that it is a photo shoot group date. Do
2: these happen a lot? <laughs>
3: Wonderful. Photo
0: shoot, group date, on bachelor. Perfect. Photo shoot, group date, on bachelor. Wow. Episode two is the time for a. Well done. Photo shoot, group date, on bachelor. Oh. You might dress up like a big chicken, <gasps> And old man, or a <laughs> lobe stock. You were close. Photo shoot, group date, on. Bachelor. You made it. Photo shoot group day on Bachelor. Hello there. Episode two is the time for a. It's the sky. Photo shoot group day on Bachelor. (laughs) See you. (laughs) It is my favorite episode of every season of this show. How do I turn off this background music? (laughs) Uh, <laughs> yeah, amazing it, it certainly does happen every single time uh, Because they've got a lucrative contract With the Daily Telegraph Slash news.com.au mm-hmm. And so they bother us with this every time. It always plays out exactly the same way. I
2: was thinking it's so funny how quaint it is for them to be so excited to appear in newspapers. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it feels like a bit of a relic. I think it was Kurt being like, oh, I'm so, can't wait to be in the newspaper. <laughs> and like Gen Z, we're like, what's that? What
0: the fuck is that? Yeah. <laughs> oh, you, you won't believe this, but it used to be, before they landed the gig with... The Daily Telegraph, they used to be shooting the covers of Mills and Boone novels, <laughs> many of which that's
2: better. I have that's way. Yeah. that's yeah. way better, I
0: mean, yeah, yeah, maybe not for Gen Z, but like, you know, that that at least has some staying power. So this time around, there will be four scenes each depicting a different holiday throughout the year where romance can blossom. And this photo shoot group date also heralds the return of Jonathan Moran from The Daily Telegraph, who's been absent for the last couple. Anyone else keep a track of that? JMo's back. <laughs> <laughs> Holly ITM's talking about how exciting it is that this is the first batchy photo shoot with both men and women, and how it will do such amazing things for representation. And, like, I don't want to take anything away from them, but, like, is every single piece of promotional material that is generated to increase the viewership of this TV show doing incredible things for representation? Like, on some level, I guess so, but, like, it just feels so cynical to me. <laughs> Did you know we're making it straight?
2: no representation is so important you know it's um (laughs) it's really gonna matter to the fucking daily telegraph audience as well it's really important to feel sane (laughs)
0: There's a New Year's Day pool party. You know those things we all feel like
2: doing on yeah, New Year's Day? Yeah, where you Day. fall in
0: love, of course. Oh yeah. You wake up after a night of partying and you're like, let's go to th- I don't know. I don't know. It's, it's not for me. <laughs> we watch Kurt strip off and have even more abs painted onto him in the makeup room. We learn that Brooke loves New Year's Day because it's also her birthday.
2: Does that make her Does that make her a cap
0: Capricorn? I guess so. She's a bit My of a- brother's a Capricorn, he's the eighth. So I think so. Yeah, yeah she's yeah. give it to her. That
2: makes sense. She's a bit of a cap.
0: Yeah, I, I, I buy it. I'm going to put that in the graph. I mean, in my Excel spreadsheet that I have where I take note
2: of all the star signs, we need to find out her moon and rising. So, um, absolutely, we should work. Well, on you that. had
0: her on the show. What the fuck
2: <laughs> did you ask her? Well, I don't know her time of birth. I'm not going to ask her a time of birth, although that would be a very queer question. It would be to a ask, great so. hookup yeah. question. Mm. When we
0: eventually get her on our podcast, we'll make sure to
2: <laughs> clean up after you. Yeah. and um, Ask the real Can questions.
0: you imagine? Brooke, welcome. What time were you born? <laughs> <laughs> and that's the only question we ask, and then we let it go. <laughs> uh, she opens up this app on her phone, which is clearly like sponsoring the show. It is called Listener, mm. which is a service we're aware of. It, yeah, right. I, th- I right don't actually know a lot about about it. It's like I think it has podcasts on it. So I assume that what she is doing here, because we don't actually hear the audio, but I assume she's tuning into the latest episode of the Bachelor of Hearts podcast to play in the background. But- Shirtless Kurt, or Kurtless as I call him, <laughs> grabs Brooke and lifts her up into the air in a unprovoked display of physical power. Um, it's kind of like he's. Bragging about the fact that he can do this, I guess. Except that Brooke is about five foot tall and weighs about twenty kilos, so it's not like astonishing that he can do it. Um, but anyway, Jamie Lee is the lifeguard within the fantasy world of this photo shoot, and so she uses her pretend authority to kick the others out so that she can have a bit more time with. Great Brooke. move! Mm-hmm. Great move! It's fucking great! Yeah,
2: if they give you pretend authority, then use it. Oh,
0: Use your pretend authority.
2: Mm-hmm. So so cute. Very good.
0: It's what I do as a moderator of the Bachelor of Arts Osh Posting Facebook group. (laughs) Uh, Up next, Conrad, Jess, and Brooke are celebrating the annual holiday tradition of sitting at a table with no seasonal decorations of any kind. (laughs) Once a year, me and my two closest friends, (laughs) my two closest love interests, I guess. Uh, They did mention that
2: though, right? Like I think somebody was self-aware about that, weren't they?
0: Yeah. (laughs) I can't remember. Um, Producers have put Jess and Conrad together here because of the love seat tension on night one. Despite best attempts, there's not really like a huge payoff here. Jess asks if she can sit in the chair at the table and Conrad says, yes. And then the strings crescendo as a few unlockers go,
2: oh, she's taken the chair again. I wanted to say that Jess's ass is getting the villain edit and I really, really hope to see more of her maliciously sitting on things.
0: <laughs>
2: Are they going to send her ass?
0: <laughs> Good. Uh, And uh, yeah, so there's a bit of musical chairs here They're just kind of swapping back and forth Jess sits on Brooke's lap for a while Which gives Conrad a moment to think And then he does something Which I think is very crafty This is like one of the best moments of gameplay In this entire week of this TV show He says, what if it was a Valentine's Day When we'd been dating for a while Dot 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 question mark And then he takes one of his rings off his hand And gets down on one knee in front of Brooke He's like, I've got some fucking pretend authority here too, you know. And he plays it up and he talks about how many kids they're going to have while the cameras still firing off, taking great photos of them. I feel like Conrad must have done some modeling before or or if failing that, he has like studied these bachelor photo shoots from seasons past
1: or gotten engaged, who can say? <laughs>
0: Could be, mm, maybe.
1: I love that he was like, "I'm going to I'm going to call on the patriarchy to empower me here." <laughs> Look, true. Look, That's and it's going to work
2: because she's freaking loving it. She's yeah, losing she her shit,
0: eating at this. it up. Yeah, worked on me too. <laughs> the next romantic holiday is, of course, Halloween. With <laughs> people
2: fall in love, they really yeah. do. Yep, I'm a mouse. Duh. <laughs> <laughs>
0: uh with ryan dressed as a sailor very queer we love it um beck who as far as i could tell just looks like somebody at a music festival uh beau who is a devil but mm. not the tasmanian kind and matt who walks out and says so i'm a very large pumpkin
2: <laughs>
0: <laughs> they did matt
2: so dirty <laughs> i don't know i feel like that maybe matt.
1: secretly got the best one Oh, it's a huge win for pumpkin representation.
2: <laughs> orange, the orange feels so seen. Honestly, this is such a historic season.
0: Brooke is dressed up as an extremely hot woman who is wearing a wig and some little white wings. Sailor Ryan decides to seize the moment. Yeah. Get it? Was that the joke? No. That's a joke he made, and I thought, Ryan, I've underestimated me. And then he picks up Brooke in exactly the same way that Kurt did. Why do all the men
1: need to do this? It didn't make me think any less of Sailor Ryan, but it didn't do anything to, I don't know, bring him further up my power rankings above someone like Sailor Moon or Sailor Jupiter.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, totally. Brooke feels as though the boys are just trying to get the shot. and She's not impressed. I do think we're getting a lot of just like the men are shit, the men are shit, the women are fucking great, the men are shit. And I'm like, this is what this season should have always been. And I'm loving it. Yeah. It's pretty
1: good. We're getting a lot of the men are shit, but it's like justifiable in that. Like, for example, she's talking about this. She's talking about the way that Bo is kind of being a creep in this in this photo scene that they're having together. Mm. And the irony of it being the men who are there to, to pose for the cameras or whatever was mm. also this kind of like really gooey, fun area that the show has never really explored before. You yeah. know, I feel like it is usually archetypally some kind of a, a woman who is prese- presented as like only there for the cameras or for the Instagram or whatever. Mm-hmm. And so mm-hmm. for Brooke, the Bachelorette, to be validating... It's all the boys who are actually here to try and get the photo,
0: right? Yeah, It felt kind of revelatory. Yeah, yeah. I like that it's just giving them some new, like, narrative strands to pull on. New angles. Yeah,
2: yeah. Exactly. They're, they're and they're definitely playing to the queer, the, the queer female audience. Like, for sure. They. Mm. I'm I'm eating this shit up. I'm just like, <laughs> the boys are suffering so bad. Yeah, and they yeah. deserve it always. Yeah. <laughs> And it also, but it also makes like the really good boys stand out so much. True,
0: which true.
2: Which is nice because yeah. then you can get behind. She's them.
0: being realistic about like having actual expectations of the men, which means that if they're passing through her like net of judgment, what is a net of judgment? I need to watch Aquaman again. Uh, but you know, if if they're passing the the sniff test or whatever, that means that it's because they're you know. They're, they're better than your average or whatever, you know? Yeah.
1: Yeah, they're meeting the lofty standards of the women of this season.
0: Right, right. The final shoot is between Brooke and Holly, and it's some kind of New Year's Eve masquerade moment. Um, And they're outside on the lawn. Holly's wearing an elegant red dress, and Brooke is wearing the most stunning black suit with lace Oh, this sleeves. was great. It was lovely. Mm-hmm. Oh, incredible. They hold each other and begin to slow dance together again, there's Brooke ITMs that Holly's beautiful, and there's definitely an attraction there. They gradually get closer and closer until, boom, four huge jets of fireworks spark up alongside them. They're a little bit alarmed by it at first, but they find their groove again, and they put their faces right up against each other, and they don't kiss. Brooke's, Brooke ITMs that she's always a little scared to make the first move, and I felt like this was super relatable. I feel like it comes from a very real place. Um, Friend of the pod, Beck Shaw wrote about this in her recap about like leaving the date only to text that you both wanted to kiss the whole time. (laughs) It's a thing. And I think especially given that it's two queer people and that there's so much writing on this season and this moment and everything as well. um, I like that it is not all effortless, you know,
2: there's there's a running joke in sapphic communities that you could be 69ing with a woman and not sure if she likes you. Right. <laughs> <laughs> totally. So, yeah. yeah, this is incredibly relatable. But I, I was just like, come on, girl. Yeah. The moment. Just go for it. Just go for it. But, right.
1: Yeah.
2: That's what makes it so engaging. Kind of
1: both of them as well. You Like, I feel like it wasn't yeah. just Brooke. I was kind of like, one of you mm. right yeah you know? but holly's yeah.
2: too shy holly's definitely not gonna be the one to make the first move she's just yeah sweet, right like kind of demure i feel like real sweetie mm. pie i feel like yeah you'd think brooke's the one that's gonna make the move but yeah i think the fact that she didn't means that she does like feel really nervous and doesn't want to mess it up and doesn't want to rush yeah. it too quickly. Can you
1: do you find that one person in a relationship might traditionally assume more of that role as the the kisser and one the kissee?
2: I mean, when you talk about queer community, like the ideas of who is dominant and who is submissive. You know, whatever, like who is yeah. who's a top and who's a bottom. I suppose that's what I'm who's asking. Who's power bottom know. and who's a submissive top or whatever. Like power dynamics play a role in every relationship, but I don't right. think, yeah, but I don't think het people ever really interrogate it that much because there is this idea of like the man in a relationship.
1: Yeah, right. It's mm. so culturally ingrained.
2: Even though there are definitely relationships where, you know, you could be heterosexual and the woman would be the more kind of dominant force or figure or the one who would be like we're going to go do this or I make decisions or whatever definitely and so yeah in queer communities you just like especially in same-sex relationships you are just like feeling that out more or someone is more dominant or whatever but it's not always the case because you have to renegotiate that with every person you're with which yeah yeah I mean it's the same in every relationship but yeah, like Brooke telling me in that interview that she's like, I'm more mask, I like to look after a girl. I had assumed she would be more of a more dominant, but being more mask or a top doesn't make you, doesn't necessarily make you the dominant one. you
0: know.
1: Right, right.
0: I think it's also so interesting to think about the ways that the, the already complicated and interesting or, you know, different, I guess, power dynamics that exist within different kinds of queer relationships and within like, same-sex relationships between queer people and that sort of thing. Uh, add, add all of those things to the power dynamics that come with The Bachelorette and the fact that, you know, there is, you know, she is a person in power and on some level in the relationship, but also there are expectations on both of the parties within that structure as well. And the ways that those things interact with each other, those different power dynamics, like that's what's going to make this season so much more interesting than any of the other ones because there's so much more to pull apart there.
2: Yeah, absolutely. And you're so right about it. Like, what do you do in front of all of those cameras, you know? And if I were in a, you know, a queer situation where I'm hooking up with someone, like, I'm always like, you got to ask first or like, it's super cute and exciting Mm. to ask first or like the hottest thing ever is like, can I kiss you? Like, is it okay if I... Yeah, sure. Hottest thing ever. Um, But, yeah, like, do you feel like there's the moment for that when all of those cameras are around or the, um, you know, the right. fireworks are, are dripping and you're just like, oh, well, it's a big setup for us to have a big smooch. Yeah. But I'm not ready. You're not ready. Yeah. Who's making yeah. the move? And you're right. If Brooke's like the bachelorette and she's in charge and, like, mm. is she over... Stepping her power by doing, right, that, you know, yeah,
1: right, and it is that exploration of power dynamics within a framework where there is a defined power figure, yeah. mm. that makes this so, um, I mean, fascinating and such a learning experience for me as well. Mm, you we also have to remember that
0: whilst the bachelorette is higher on the totem pole than the people competing to be in a relationship with her, there's also an existing power dynamic between. Brooke and the producers of the show and whatever their their interests may be and like yeah you know, what they can get away with putting them in, in the time slot what their advertisers won't be upset about whatever that might be you know what i mean yeah
1: like, yep yep uh, all these structures
0: everybody's got a got a hand in it everyone's got a finger in the pie that can't be a thing what's a phrase have you guys read any books <laughs> <laughs> i think
2: everyone's yeah got a, st- a steak got a um a
0: steak in the pie. A steak in the
2: pie. <laughs> a pie chart yeah. <laughs> at the Viacom meeting.
0: <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's time now for David's single date. Brooke arrives at the mansion in the Mitsubishi, which is the car brand sponsoring this season. These guys have got absolutely no allegiance to a car brand at all. It's different every time. I'm sick of buying a new car every time one of them gets featured <laughs> on this show. <laughs> I'm going broke. <laughs> uh anyway, a helicopter arrives at the mansion to pick them up and as they're in the air, David's beautiful little tuft of hair whips around in the breeze. He is truly a very hot man, everybody. He's
1: beautiful. Gorgeous.
0: Mm. Mm. They arrive at what Brooke describes as the foothills of the Blue Mountains. But if these are foothills, I wouldn't like to see the head hills. By that I mean they're up somewhere very fucking high and it turns out that today's date is a fear of heights date. So they abseil down a, off a cliff into a seat suspended on the very edge of a cliff where they just kind of just sit there and they have a regular chat. You could not pay me enough to do this.
2: It just seems inconvenient. Like I just right. I just kept <laughs> thinking of like, well, what if you drop. Your phone. <laughs> like,
3: was, yeah. like, just
2: how annoying. And then, like, just up on the cliff, there's just a perfect spot for a nice little <laughs> picnic rug. Where you would yep. have and virtually have the exact put, same view. And to somewhere to put your glass down. Right. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Wonderful. Do we have mm. to be hanging off the, the freaking cliff? But anyway... Still, kind of, it's just the world we live cool, in. Terrifying. You'll find that the
1: best things on this show happen when we're suspended in midair. <laughs> <laughs> this
0: date reminded me a lot of the Ellie and Fraser cable car date from last year, where they also just kind of sat there and like joked about how they should order Uber Eats to the chair that was suspended <laughs> over the Blue Mountains or whatever. Brooke and David are so unfazed by this nightmare situation. <laughs> uh My notes here. Are- Fully just like me having a panic attack about fear of heights. Uh, David tells Brooke that he's looking for someone to share his life with, to grow and explore and laugh with. And they agree that they feel as though they've known each other for a lot longer than they have. And it starts to rain on them while they're stuck in the fucking cliff chair. There is absolutely no rush to evacuate them. In ITM, David says, It started raining, but she still looked stunning incredible that even a few drops of water on her beanie were not able to ruin the good looks of our bachelorette <laughs>
2: it's true though like every woman just becomes like a shrieking horrifying harpy every <laughs> yeah. time they get in the shower it's um it's common knowledge it's wicked yeah, to truly. the west is is a documentary <laughs> <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah brooke is uh defying the odds here um <laughs> A bald man in a tuxedo and climbing boots appears at the top Jeeves, of the cliff.
1: I believe his name is. is that, uh, he is actually that right? he owns a search engine.
0: <laughs> okay, uh, Jeeves says, Madame, sir, a special delivery. Here we come." And as he abseils down to meet them, he says, "Here we are. So we've got some special treats for your little tete-a-tete. You can pass that through." And they have a cup of hot chocolate together.
2: I just wanted to say the music shift for this part was absolutely incredible. Just, it was so <laughs> subtle in the way that it really just brought us into the fact that this might be a slightly lighter moment, that this yeah. might just be a little bit of a jest, you know?
0: Yes, we're we're having, having fun in a funny <laughs> Now, having now a the little Jeeves fun. has arrived. <laughs> <laughs> it's not all trouble up on the glyph, you know? <laughs> David says that dating has gotten a bit harder because he never used to know what he wanted, whereas now he does know what he wants and who he is. And, uh, you know, it's a little more rare to find that instant connection, but he has found it with Brooke. Within Jeeves's picnic basket... <laughs> feels weirdly wrong when I say it like that. Uh, within Jeeves's picnic basket is also a red rose which Brooke gives David, telling him she doesn't want this to end. They share a kiss together, trying very hard not to move too much, I imagine. <laughs> you ima- I mean, just, oh, just let's not get into it. Brooke ITMs, I'm actually so smitten. And David ITMs, I could definitely see myself falling in love with Brooke for sure. No doubt about it. I'm already on the way. <laughs> <laughs>
2: oh, there goes David. <laughs> yeah.
0: Yeah. Uh, oh, I'm just checking my notes and actually he didn't fall off the cliff. So that's good. <laughs> yeah, that was my mistake. Uh, we head back to the cocktail party. Emily tells the group that she hopes that the few people who weren't invited on the group date, herself, Taj, Ritu and Steve, will be able to chat to Brooke first at the cocktail party. Seems fair enough. They haven't mm-hmm. had a chance. And Brooke arrives wearing a stunning lime green suit. Get started straight away by talking to the person located closest to her entrance point which happens to be matt and i started wondering like do i wonder whether they like publicize to the people at the cocktail party which entrance brooke will be emerging from and like whether you can Oh, i think
1: that's fun that they don't
0: i mean i i also think it's fun that they don't but like if you're able to strategically position yourself near there to like Guarantee some FaceTime, get a little time in front of the camera, like that's mm-hmm. juicy.
2: But does she does she come out like with an idea of who she wants to chat to first, or is the idea that hypothetically,
0: she would... but she can kind of do whatever she wants?
1: Um... Yeah, sometimes she'll get in there and someone else will be like, "Hey, can we have a? Can I rap at you?" Mm.
2: The interrupt <laughs> the the politics of the interrupting is fascinating to me because it's like, yeah. how uh-huh. long do you have to give them?
0: This is one of the age-old questions of the show.
2: There's clearly no rules when it comes to this, but you right. have to interrupt, right? Well, it's one mm-hmm. of those
0: things where there are no rules until you break them, you know? Mm. Like, it is not set in stone, but if somebody has an exception to something that you're doing, then you have broken the rule. You know what I mean? Yeah. So, like, if you feel like you should be able to have 10 minutes, you're probably right until somebody decides that they want to talk to her in eight minutes or whatever. You know what you know what I mean? Like, um. It, because it's not set in stone, you can be infracting upon them at any moment but without she, knowledge.
2: But, totally, but she can, like, say, no, go away, I'm right. enjoying yep. this time, right?
0: Of course, yeah, but that's still a slight against that person that mm. you dared to come and try <laughs> to steal her away or whatever,
2: you know? Yeah, for sure.
0: David is the next to jump in. Um, and while it's pretty obvious that he wasn't included in the that part of the conversation where Emily was saying, you know, the people who weren't there should get to talk to her. David is still doing a steal with rose in hand or S-W-R-I-H as uh, we all call it, of course, or a swirah, um, <laughs> which is a controversial move. Max, you're looking at me like we've never talked about the swirah before. <laughs> <laughs> if you've got a rose, you, you, you sit that cocktail party out, you know, you're safe.
1: Well, I feel like this is lore, but I love what Dava did here. Sure,
0: yes, I mean, look, you got to do it sometimes. You got to get a little closure. You got to get a little finale. You got to get a little bit more in
1: there. Plus, you get it like he's what he says is exactly right. He's like, look, I just wanted to r- kind of recap and finish off our date because you do, you go away, you think about that person. It's nice to just touch base and have that little bit of sure. extra feeling, and that, and I understand obviously where the other woman, what's her name, Emily. Yes. Is coming Mm -hmm. from. But at the same time here, this is like important to David. And as someone who has, I don't know, only seen David's connection with Brooke and has seen none of Emily's. Sure. sure. I'm like, go son. Mm.
0: Yeah, totally. And he's like, you know, um, I think he also, because what what he says is like, I don't want it to drop off between us or whatever. And that feels like it is somebody who has watched this show before, who knows that if you get a first date, like, if you're the first person to get a single date, it's going to be a little while
1: before you get to spend, like, really proper time with that person. Definitely. And also, I don't want things to drop off between us really sounds like the phrasing of a man who has been dangling precariously <laughs> over the edge of
2: a cliff. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
0: That's very true. That's very true. It's a good callback on David's behalf.
2: You don't want the date to be a cliffhanger.
0: Right. <laughs> Fucking hell, that's really good. <laughs> uh, Brooke comes back over and grabs Holly, because they have clearly also got some unfinished business from their solo photo fo- fo- solo, shoot. Solo photo shoot.
2: Fo- Soto Sw- follow.
0: Yeah. <laughs> Holly says she did really want to kiss her. And she catches Brooke blushing. And then we see Jamie Lee in an ITM saying, Holly and Brooke, their connection is visible from so far away. It's such an intimate moment. They both look stunning. This is what a couple should look like. I should feel jealous, but I don't. I'm in awe. I found this so charming and like- It was really lovely. Very like here for the right reasons on that level as well, in the sense that like, you should be, as a contest on this show, you should be seen as wanting the lead to be enjoying their time as much as possible, even if it's with the other suitors who are technically your competition. Like, and I, I don't feel like she is doing that as gameplay. I feel like that is, she genuinely is like, I'm I'm happy to see Brooke, someone I care about, having a good time with somebody else.
2: I have all the time in the world for Jamie Lee. Like, honestly, it, oh. Uh... Because she was saying what we were all thinking, too. Just just so, so sweet and authentic. But right. I, I also did think like it was such an interesting editing choice because it felt so hammy, like wifey edit. <laughs> like, mm. they should be together. They look like they're <laughs> married already. In right. fact, she looks like a winner of this season.
0: Right, right. <laughs> I wonder. Well, like, yeah, nope. I wonder if... Nope. Because it feels almost a little too much, maybe that's because something's going to come up or it'll be subverted at some point. Brooke tells Holly, I feel like I haven't even scratched the surface with Holly just yet, and I'm so excited to really get to know you. And from beneath the couch, she retrieves a beautiful red rose. It's pretty nice, I reckon. And there's there's still no kiss, but I do feel like the little nuzzle that they shared on the photo shoot is almost like building her a love seat like uh. you're gonna get to sit in it later you know what I mean? Mm. Not a perfect analogy obviously <laughs> <laughs> yeah. um, Emily is really not impressed with David and confronts him in front of a few others saying you went and did what you did and I'm just going to keep you at an arm's length it is what it is I thought you were a really kind person I thought you had the potential to be a really good friend but you know what great that you did that I can weed out the bad from the good What you've done is a reflection of you, not me. And I think I like her standing her ground. I wonder if this is as big of a deal as it might have felt like at this point. Um, But we will have to keep our eyes on this drama, especially because David doesn't back down here. He just kind of ITMs that he's here for Brooke. He he doesn't say it, but he's basically saying he didn't come here to make friends. Um, So it'll be interesting to see. It seems as though this will continue to play out. Next week. At the rose ceremony, Holly and David are safe this time, and it's another single elimination tonight. So Brooke hands out the roses in this order Conrad, Matt, Ritu, Kurt, Tage, Carissa, Emily, Steve, Jamie Lee, Jess, Beck, and Ryan. So it's farewell to the week one pest, Bo, who leaves with a smile on his face, facing no repercussions at all for his actions. (laughs) Except, I guess, a slightly smaller Instagram follower count than he perceivably could have gotten if he didn't suck so much. (laughs) 240 new people followed Bo this week. I wonder if they will stick around uh, after they've
1: forgotten that he was on the show. Mm. Yeah, it is interesting that um, she hit this pest with a bit of Uh Peebo. More safe,
0: more smart, more... Wait. (laughs) (laughs)
1: <laughs> <laughs> Never mind Also I feel like A strong move from Brooke to Like this is a man who's obviously Xavier you say like He might not be cast To stick around that long mm-hmm. But he's a uh, he's a man who's cast With the intention of stirring drama Causing mischief And for Yeah exactly For Brooke to send that man home In episode 2 mm-hmm. When in a more traditional season We might see the troublemaker Stick around for longer Yeah Is is pretty cool. Yeah, yeah, I'm here for it. It
0: makes me more excited about watching next week because I'm not like, oh, we're going to be hitting those beats again, you know?
2: Yeah. And so Jess's butt is the only troublemaker left, right? <laughs>
0: this is it. Yep. <laughs> Unless some of the other butts have been sort of silent but deadly up until this point. You know? <laughs> Good. Excellent. Uh, next week, Holly and Brooke have a single date where they take a dance lesson feel like she was already doing fine with dancing, but that's okay. Uh, there's always Maybe more Holly, to learn.
2: Maybe Holly's the teacher.
0: Yeah, I like that. That'd yeah. be nice. Uh, and David is singled out in a group date and a subsequent cocktail party. Although for what, I'm not quite sure. That is the end of the recap. But it's not quite the end of the episode. We don't have to spend a huge amount of time on this, but I am always interested at the end of our recaps to discuss what is happening in the world of social media, when it comes to these contestants, I believe very strongly that the worlds of the Bachelor and Bachelorette and the world of particularly Instagram are deeply, deeply linked. Mm-hmm. And uh, you know the the way that people are engaging with this stuff online, particularly, I would say, this season, uh, will reflect a lot of interesting things, especially in the weeks to come. So, in lieu of in lieu of Instagram games let's play some historic games let's analyze some instagram games max is nodding great for clarity here's where the data comes from i'm comparing the initial follower count as recorded by me at 8 15 a.m on announced day monday the 18th of october with data from the saturday directly after the episodes aired to see how the world of social media is reacting to what we've seen on screen and in my experience, week one can be pretty interesting because we're not going off cumulative stuff. We're not going off, you know, how we have grown with somebody really all that much. We're, we're, we're looking at first impressions, basically. So, yeah, you know, the first impression rose is usually important. We usually have some early favorites, but there might be some wild cards in here as well who are just getting followed because they're hot. Mm-hmm. So first, let's talk about Brooke Burton. Without question, she is the star of this season. Uh, Much more so than anybody we've had on this show since Lockie, at the very least. Do you agree? Like, you know, is Jimmy the star of Jimmy's season? Not really. Uh, It's hard to say. I mean, is anyone? (laughs) She is doing an incredible job so far, and she has been richly rewarded with 17,978 new followers on top of her already pretty sizable stockpile.
2: Myself included. That's great. (laughs) There you go. Uh,
0: Bringing her total well over 260,000 followers at the time of recording. But as for the contestants from this season, the biggest gain so far was a bit of a curveball to me. It has been mm. Conrad B.N. Stevens, whose spectacular good looks and constructive night one have helped him build up 2,174 new followers since announced. Uh, in second place, we have Jamie Lee Days, whose first kiss of the season and strong yearning narrative earned her a healthy crop. Of 1,881 new followers, leaving her at 5,368 in total. And in third place, we have first impression rose recipient, single date dangler, and the songwriter behind Iran Would Die For You. Hmm? David D- David Garayali, who racked up <laughs> 1,295 new followers. Bringing his total to 2,148.
1: Can we compare this against the night one gains from Jimmy's season? Yes. Let me open a new
0: tab. I love stats.
1: So Conrad was the most
0: of this season with 2,174. The highest from last season's first week was Holly with 1,966. So a chunk less. Uh, In second place, we had Jamie Lee with 1881. In second place on Jimmy's season, we had Jay with 1,184. So like a substantial amount less. Mm. And David, who got 1295, is a decent way ahead of Lily, who got 1,045 from week one of Jimmy's season. Interesting. Mm.
2: What do you think is behind that difference? I
1: think that this season is aiming younger and I think that it is a really smart play from Channel 10 and from the production companies to be pitching to a younger audience and we're seeing this you know pay off in the fact that cumulatively how many how many did Jimmy gain in the first episode last season
0: His week one gain was 4935 Compared right and we're with looking Brooks at 17978 mm-hmm. that's insane And so what you're
1: difference. seeing is like a a younger more, I don't know, socially aware and socially interested audience mm-hmm. that Channel 10 is is directly marketing and advertising to. Yeah. And we're seeing the correlation in the way that these people are flocking to Brooke and finding maybe some amount of identity in her. Mm. It's one of the things that I don't know, for me, makes me feel an amount of solace against this narrative that the show has, like... We talked about it this week in The Great Newsletter, um, all the heterosexual nonsense I was forced to endure, which uh, Patrick Lenton and, and Shore are writing. And they were talking about how, look, the show has bombed, you know, in the ratings. There was this article and they were addressing, well, has it really? And the way that I see it, based on particularly this kind of... Um, analysis is, well, maybe it bombed in the context of the ratings that they might want to achieve for a traditional season of The Bachelor, Mm. but if you look at where the audience is going and that they are, to a certain extent, voting with their follows, this is a success. Right. It's not a bomb. I think it's just changing in
0: ways that I don't know if every media commentator was prepared for.
2: It's history. We're making history.
0: (laughs) We're making history right here. Honestly, yeah, and they should say something about it. They should honestly make that part of the discussion around this season. She's, dating boys and girls mm. and that's not <laughs> what they normally do
1: listeners that does bring us to the end of another episode of the bachelor of hearts podcast she makes history every single week on the radio <laughs> oh, yeah. nine o'clock on sunday nights on triple j nat tenchich thank you so much for being here thank
2: you for having me she makes history she makes the abc complaints line. So <laughs> <laughs> oh we
1: love you nat thank you for being here
2: it's been a total pleasure thanks for having me
1: Thank you. Woo-hoo. You can find her on socials at Nat Tenchich. Well, Xavi. Well,
0: Maxi. God, wasn't that a delight? What a delight. What an absolutely ripper guest, and what an absolutely terrific episode. What a Persian delight. <laughs> is that what that is?
1: The little. I think that's what that chocolate is.
0: Purplish thing? Yeah. Yeah, the blubby purplish. Yeah. Thing. So kind of like Prince himself.
3: Hey, wouldn't you say
1: ah we've tied it together Mm. we've tied it together really really well look from uh crafty conrad the carpenter through to (laughs) um jamie lee making the second second most romantic uh speech in bachelor bachelorette (laughs) history i am you know i'm so excited for the trajectory of this season and if you want to get on board with us if you'd like to come and have some chats the bachelor of hearts osh posting group on facebook is where you can go to do so we actually did come here to make friends yeah, you, you can find us also on socials at boh pod you got anything else save let me think if
0: there's anybody that i was gonna aha yes of course i'd like to shout out to the Zave heads there he is my personal legion of fans. Uh <laughs> yeah, I mean you know they we're friends we're all we all hang out we're all big fans of me including myself uh and uh you know while I'm at it I might as well shout out to Max Nation um a great child yeah a wonderful baby and uh many people who have named themselves after that infant we hope that uh both Max Nation and Max Nation grow strong and mighty and reign <laughs> over the tyranny of I don't know uh, <laughs> running out of steam. I've <laughs> been recording for a while. Thank you so much for being here. Max, I love you very much. Thank you for being Zabie. my podcast co-host for 5,000
1: years. So many years. Listeners, we love you. Goodbye. bye out
3: for me searching for. First moment, you entered my life.